and welcome everyone to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today, folks, is the founder and CEO of Air Protein. Please welcome Miss Lisa Dyson. Lisa, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So tell our audience a little bit about why Air Protein got, got started. Well, Air Protein really seeks to address a key issue that we have in our society, and it's really around, or two issues actually, climate change and deforestation. So the food industry happens to be one of the largest emitters of greenhouse gases. In fact, it emits more greenhouse gases than the entire transportation sector. So it's a huge problem when it comes to climate change. And at the same time, the meat sector is both the biggest culprit within the, meat sec- within the food sector, uh, and it actually is a leading cause of deforestation. So a lot of, of rainforests are removed for cattle grazing or for animal feed and those types of things. So Air Protein is really built with a mission to accelerate the world's transition to climate and rainforest-friendly meat. And the way we do, it, we do that is by making meat from air. And how does one make meat from air? Well, very carefully, first of all. But um, So the, the, the work really is based on work done by NASA back in the 60s and 70s. So at that time, they were looking at how do you feed astronauts on long space journeys? And um, that's the same thing as asking, how do you make food in a short amount of time with limited space and limited resources? And since we're a carbon-based life form, one of the key inputs of that is, is carbon, carbon dioxide that the astronauts were breathing out. So we developed a way of, of leveraging kind of some of their original concepts to create a fermentation type process that's actually carbon negative. It actually uses uh, CO2, the CO2 that we're breathing out now. Again, think about the, the astronauts. and They were breathing out CO2, and they wanted to capture that. It uses that as a building block to really uh, drive a fermentation process. And fermentation, ever since we knew that beer tastes good, we've been doing fermentation, you know, to make yogurt, to make cheese, to make wine, all those different things. But it's a new way of doing it that makes it carbon negative and allows us to make a really nutritious protein ingredient. Uh, so like with yogurt, you end up with a whey protein that's really rich in protein. We can make air protein with our fermentation process. Uh, and then once we have that protein ingredient, that flour, then we apply culinary techniques to create the textures that you're used to when you're biting into meat. Think of going from wheat flour to pasta. Those types of culinary techniques we use, and we're, we're using them in a new way, in a different way, rather, uh, so that we can create textures and flavors of meat. And so we've made air chicken, air scallops, air halibut, and we continue to research on on beef, pork, and beyond. Fascinating. How does one come across an idea like this, come across that study at NASA? Well, myself and the co-founder of a company called Converti, first, before we created Air Protein, we were really looking for solutions for climate change. We're both scientists by training. Um, You know, I went off to the business world for Boston Consulting Group working there. Uh, And so we knew that science had a a role to play in addressing this climate change issue. And we were searching for scientific solutions, as it were. And that's really what led us to this work by NASA, where they were looking at how to feed astronauts on long space journeys. And many of the, the key inputs were the same. We wanted to do it with minimal space, minimal resources, and very quickly. And so that that is what caused us to pick that work that had pretty much been shelved in the 70s, pick it up off the shelf. And then, of course, with my BCG background and business background, my dad was an entrepreneur, so with all that together, that really caused me to want to be a part of the solution by creating a business that can then scale it, industry, scaling solutions for uh, everyday, every, everyday needs, essentially. And so, of course, what is most more fundamental than eating? And, and how did you go about that growth process? Did you create the product, 
test it out and try and get some sales first, kind of refine the product that way? Or are you seeking investment to uh, create multiple different products and, and kind of go with the, the theory testing? We are building a brand. We're building a new company that is focused on bringing new to the world air-based meat, air chicken, air scallops, and beyond. And so we're, we'll be launching in the marketplace soon. We're now focused on scaling up the thing that doesn't exist in the world in large quantities, which is air-based protein. So when we first started, it was all about picking that work up off the shelf and then working on the innovation. So it was about the science first. And so there were a number of years where we worked on really perfecting, mm. hitting those key uh, scientific proof points to make this actually something that could be commercializable and scaled. And that's where we are now. Happily, we hit those proof points and happily now we're scaling and commercializing this new innovation. Incredible. Uh, just get a curiosity, what were some of the lessons that you learned uh, while pitching investors on this concept with no product right then? I mean, that's a lot of convincing, that's a lot of research. Uh, tell us a bit about that experience and some of the lessons that you learned. Yeah, well, when we started Air Protein, we did have protein. So we, so we, we, we spun out of Coverti. Coverti did a lot of the groundwork and created kind of those first you know, protein okay. proof points. And so investors wanted to see, show me the protein. Right. <laughs> uh, and we actually did have tastings of our air chicken. So in 2019, we made the world's first air-based meat and it was air chicken. And so our investors did actually taste that chicken as well. Fantastic, okay. So now what? What is the impact that this is going to have if we're able to sequester carbon, uh, use again for fermentation to create more protein-based products? What type of impact does that have? on the environment. Yes, creating a carbon negative, the world's first carbon negative meat company we think can have a significant impact because today, the way that we make, for instance, a steak uh, is to grow a cow for two years and that cow has a greenhouse gas footprint of a car and it's using a lot of land, a lot of resources, a lot of water. Um, by contrast, so when you get that steak on a the plate, there's all those resources that have gone into it. By contrast, our air steaks will be, you know, our ambition is to make them carbon negative. Uh, so there's just a huge benefit when it comes from a carbon footprint perspective. We can capture or we can um, mitigate millions of tons of CO2, you know, in, in, in you know, under a decade. And we can also do this in a way that requires no arable land whatsoever for our protein ingredient. So it's a zero land, zero arable land ingredient. Uh, and the impact there is important because arable land is, is as we grow to feed 10 billion people by 2050, where are we gonna get all this arable land from, from, um, from? And so we've been getting it from rainforests. And so we really need to put a halt to that. We need to stop that. We need to end deforestation. So these are some of the key areas where we aim to have a significant impact in the world. And what are some of the uh, unforeseen challenges that you've run into along the way so far? I'd say the main um, challenge, opportunity with this is scaling up. Mm. Um, so, you know, of course, there was the scientific challenges that we had to overcome and face and kind of hit those key metrics that proved to us that this is something that can be economically attractive at scale. And that's what's important is getting something that can be uh, cost competitive, that can be in the marketplace and people can actually buy it. You know, people eat three times a day in most places. So um, so that is an, an important thing. And, and happily, you know, we have a great group of investors that have invested in us. Um, Google Ventures, Barclays, and I'll highlight ADM because they're the world's, wow. you know, one of the world's largest fermentation companies. And so, you know, we love the fact that our partners are working with us to de-risk the scale up. Wow, incredible! And and you know, you made a lot of references to uh, you know your science background. What do scientists and entrepreneurs have in common to you? 
I say that my training, so my dad was an entrepreneur. And so I grew up in a household where I saw him have ideas and saw them come to fruition, the highs and lows of entrepreneurship. And, and that was instrumental for me in, in just who I became. As a scientist, it's all about problem solving. It's all about, you know, here's a challenge. Let's, let's you know, apply the scientific method and let's figure it out. And I believe that we can do that with many of the problems we're facing um, in this world. And climate change is one of them. I mean, it's a hard problem and we just keep going deeper, deeper into it. But as we step back and just try to focus on solutions, one of the solutions is doing things differently. And, you know, science is all about discoveries. Uh, and, and we need new discoveries to help us do things differently. And this is just one of them. Uh, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs will start, they have this incredible idea, they continue to grow. And as they grow, one of the problems they run into is just people, managing people. What are some of the lessons that you've learned from uh, operating and, and managing and leading an organization? Yeah, and I'd say that as a scientist, you know, I learned early on that equations are easy and people are more complex. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, and, you know, what I'm, I'm excited by, what I've been excited by the whole time is just how many people have surrounded this, this vision and have, have brought their visions of what they want to do and the impact they want to have in the world to what we're doing and enhanced it and have been very additive to what we're doing. And so it's been amazing to just observe so many people investing their time because what do we have on this earth? We have, we have time and they're investing their time in, in this and their, their life and their energy and their, their knowledge and their skills. And so, um, so I, think, I think the passion that people have is something that's very, very, very phenomenal, very real. And so for, for us, it's all about getting people that are values aligned, mission aligned together, making sure that we all, uh, that we're building the right culture, that we all, we know what kind of culture we're building. And that, that culture, these people are the ones that are going to make this happen, that are making this happen. And so it's critical to be able to bring everybody together with a singular mission and vision, and then we all march forward to make it happen. And at a conference like this, when you're surrounded by a lot of impact entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs who have been there, done that, or helping you out, how does it feel to be here? What are some of the takeaways you learned from the most of them so far? Being around others that are having an impact on the world through their businesses is always rewarding and it's always educational and it's always an opportunity to, to really learn, learn from colleagues that are doing things in different fields. But running a business, it's, it's, you, there's many of the same challenges. You, you know, we have, of course, a, a business that's based on science and technology and there are other kinds of businesses that are represented as well. But as you said, we're all managing people. We're all managing people who are coming to us with their genius to create a collective genius. We're all managing, trying, you know, working towards getting, you know, an output that's going to be have that impact that we're trying to have. So this is a wonderful opportunity, really coming out of COVID and like not having not been at conferences for you know so long. This is a perfect conference to go to as we come out of COVID. Well, I'm glad you're at the conference today. It's been a pleasure to speak with you, Elise. Yes. So let's bring this home. What is your definition of a real leader? Well, there's many different types of leaders, uh, for sure. Um, but I think being authentic, being vulnerable, creating an atmosphere of trust where others feel like they can be vulnerable and bring their full selves to, to you, to be honest, to bring their full selves to their company, to the company that you're, you're, you're running, um, those are kind of important qualities of any, any leader, I'd say. For Lisa Diner, I'm Kevin Edwards, asking you to go out there and always, folks, keep it real. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right.